Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Hangry Thoughts Podcast. This is a special one because y'all, I have my first interview, my first guest on the podcast. What the heck? Lindley Ashline joins me on this episode today and our conversation, I think, was so interesting and it really challenges a lot of the societal, cultural norms that we have grown up in, that we are surrounded with constantly. Lindley, actually, whether she knew it or not at the beginning of the episode, helped me to build my website and all of the pictures that you see on my site, besides the ones that are of me, are taken by Lindley. Um, Lindley offers free journal prompts, a blog, weekly body liberation guide, body positive and inclusive stock photos, speaks to the oppressive systems that perpetuate weight stigma and harm, has body liberation photography sessions, fine art, and so much more. Like, what the heck? How does she do it all? She is so impressive and holds such a unique business model. And Lindley lives just outside of Seattle. I am in Seattle. So it was also exciting to meet someone in the area. Lindley fights weight stigma by giving people in large bodies a safe place to explore how their bodies look on camera and by increasing the representation of fat bodies in photography, advertising, fine art, and the world at large. I'm so pumped for y'all to hear this conversation today. I'm going to link everything in the show notes on where you can find Lindley's website and photos, other podcast interviews that she has done, and more. So without further ado, let's get into the episode. Hey there, welcome to Hangry Thoughts, the podcast where we dish out on the best bites on intuitive eating, nurture a healthy relationship with food, and of course, bust some nutrition myths because fork diet culture. I'm your host, Abby Roberts, non-diet intuitive eating dietitian and an ADHD girly here to guide you through a joyful journey towards feeling amazing in your own skin and enjoying all foods. Join me as we navigate the world of food with a fresh perspective where guilt-free nourishment and mindful eating take center stage. Together, we'll tackle the myths that may leave you feeling a little hangry or hungry for the real facts. So grab your fork, your favorite snack, and let's dive into the Hangry Thoughts podcast because it is time to embrace a vibrant, satisfying, and empowered approach to food and wellness. Lindley, welcome to the podcast. I'm so excited to meet you. Thank you. <laughs> I I know I told you in like my email too before we even like sat down for the podcast, but when I was creating my website, I was going through all of like these stock photos and trying to figure out like how can my website be more diverse and accessible and it's not just like either people that are in white straight size bodies, which is like all the stock photos that are out there. And I came across your website and was so excited to see the work that you do. Um, so I first just wanted to say thank you for like that specifically. And I know you do so much more outside of that, but the the stock photos I think are just such a cool and unique part of what you do in your business. It's really yeah. great. Yeah, thank you. That that sort of that sort of came out of um so I became a people photographer um, and a yeah. body liberation activist in 2015. Um, and, and this came out of a long history of both nature photography mm -hmm. and 
um, because I've been taking nature photos since I was a little kid and, and you know, brings me a lot of joy. Um, and then a lot of uh, lurking in fat acceptance communities, which was sort of, uh, which uh, very much still exist, but like the body positivity world that is a little bit more mainstream is, has, is an outgrowth of that. Mm -hmm. um, but so then I have been learning a lot along the way. And then in conjunction with all this, um, I was in the corporate world as a technical writer and marketer right. and, and I needed stock photos in my jobs. Um, and so, so I also had this long history of searching for stock photos and looking for diverse photos, um, you know, in, in all sorts of ways, body size, but also, like, you know, um, uh, people with different skin tones and, and mm -hmm. you know, different ethnicities and so on, all the ways that we don't see people depicted in, in mainstream media. And, and, and the more niche, you get the harder it is to find diverse photos um like uh at one point i was working on some a marketing piece that needed some stock photos for um oil and gas oh <laughs> and, and so um because i was working for a software company that was marketing mm -hmm. to a lot of different industries okay and so so i'm looking at these photos of and, and it essentially looked like construction sites like the, the 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 photos that I needed, it was essentially construction, and and it was all like fifty two year old white thin white, yeah. you know, very <laughs> cis street looking dudes in, hard yeah. and sometimes they would be talking to a black guy in a hard hat sometimes, mm -hmm. um, but that was as diverse as it got. <laughs> like that um, was that was it, and so so when I when I moved into my own business in 2015, um, all of these things sort of came together for me in, in a way that was really cool because I already knew who I wanted to serve, um, both in my client photography that I do, um, because uh, people who are in larger bodies, um, I use the word fat. It is mm -hmm. not an insult. Um, I am one of many fat people who have reclaimed that term. Mm -hmm. And so when you hear me use the word fat, it's a neutral descriptor like brunette. Mm -hmm. <laughs> oh, cool. So so I knew that I wanted to work with and serve fat people because fat people are so underserved in every market. And also as a fat mm -hmm. person myself, I understand how our bodies move and work mm -hmm. and appear. So, so I knew that that, you know, that was my market. Those are the, the people that I love, but very quickly, um, in 2016. So I hadn't been doing this for very long professionally before I realized that I could also help serve this mar this market gap in mm -hmm. stock photos, uh, because I was learning, I was doing all these model photo shoots, um, you know, both to build my portfolio for client work and because, because I needed the practice, yeah. um, you know, as you do, that's how you learn. And mm -hmm. I realized that I could put all these photos to a use other than just my portfolio. Right. Uh, and I, and so I started deliberately building a stock photo library and it, it's so cool. I could talk all day just about stock photos because I love it. <laughs> because they're, they're both, uh, you know, and you let me know if we're getting too deep into this, but no, you're good. <laughs> um, stock photos are both prescriptive and descriptive. Mm, yeah, um, because they 
uh, and, and stock photographers too, because behind every photo is someone who took that photo, mm-hmm. who made a series of decisions that lead to that photo. And, uh, you know, about where it's going to be and, and you know, who is going to appear and what they're going to be doing um, and how they're going to look. And then down to the lighting and the posing and so on. There's a lot of decisions and a lot of work that go into every single photo. And so, so those photos, and this is true of any, any photo that you see, <laughs> but, but particularly stock photos, they describe what we see as beauty standards in the world. Yes. Um, they are depicting uh, standards of bodies, types of bodies that are acceptable enough to be depicted. And then of course there there are often layers of Photoshop and so on on top of that as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then they are also prescriptive um, mm-hmm. in that they help reinforce the standards that we set for bodies. Mm-hmm. And they help, but but they can also help change those standards. For sure. and, and so in one direction or another, so at this point, we have decades of photoshopped photos that are out there that are pushing, pushing and pushing and pushing us towards um, idealized or aspirational standards of bodies. Uh, yeah. Because the bodies that we see around us, um, and we see, <laughs> most of us see many, many, many more depicted bodies, bodies and images than we do real bodies in a particular day. Because um, if you spend 15 minutes of scrolling on Instagram, you've seen hundreds of bodies. Yes, hundreds and hundreds it, in a matter of like a minute. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And and like you might go to the grocery store and see just as many bodies, but do you do that every day? Probably uh-huh. not. Uh-huh. So, or, or, you know, it may be if you do, uh, you know, maybe on, on your commute or public transit or something, you're seeing a whole lot of bodies. Yeah. But those bodies have not been deliberately depicted and elevated in a way that places more societal value on them. So the bodies that we see on, I'm just going to pick on Instagram, the bodies that we see on Instagram affect us and, mm-hmm. and what we see as a standard and acceptability more than the bodies we see at the grocery store. Mm-hmm. And one of the ways that we can start unlearning that is to pay attention to who we see at the grocery store. But, but the thing is that, you know, we have decades, a uh, hundred years at this point, because before Photoshop, like even in film photography, it's entirely possible to manipulate the way bodies look. Mm. Like, you know, people people had all sorts of darkroom tricks mm-hmm. to, to make bodies appear smaller. Like when you look at, I, I'm wandering off topic, but when you look at uh, photos that were taken in film of like 1930s movie stars, yeah, they are often, they were often manipulated, the photos, so that the, huh. their waist looks smaller than they actually were. Interesting. I've never... I've never thought about like in that time of how they could manipulate the photos even without Photoshop. That's really interesting, but Mm -hmm. so true. Yeah. And I don't, I, that, you know, that's not my field of expertise. I don't know a whole lot about it. I just know that it was possible to do. Yeah. 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 And so, so yeah, like we've been seeing, and, and of course, of course, if you draw a body, you can draw it any way you want. So we have never, we have never been exposed to, a large amount of realism in the bodies that we see depicted. <laughs> yes. Um, uh, and, and you know, and illustrated bodies are a whole different standard of, of, of aspirational beauty. But mm-hmm. the point is that we have so many decades of photos that have been 
uh, photoshopped really drastically, pushing us in, you know, emphasizing these unrealistic beauty standards and making them even more and more and more extreme. Yeah. Um, and so my photos that I do, these stock photos and, and client photos, they are prescriptive in, in that they are pushing back. Mm. And they are yeah. descriptive in that they are depicting what actual bodies look like in the real world. It's so cool. Yeah. I, I love how you're using prescriptive and descriptive. When you were discussing illustrated bodies, that is so true of how like it's straight lines, it's soft curves. You don't see bumps, marks, scars, even like different skin tones, um, larger bodies, fat bodies. And it, it's it's also so true that like when you're going on social media, like you're just seeing really the people that you're following on your feed or if you're going on like the explore page, a lot of that is so curated to this idea of the ideal body and you're not seeing a whole lot of diversity. And something that I talk about like with my clients is going out into just the world, putting your phone down for a second and looking at those people that are like in the grocery store and seeing that these people don't look like all of the people on social media. And it's when you're seeing those real bodies in person, you notice, okay, people have texture on their skin. Um, their, their clothes are comfy or it's not just so curated to what we see online. And it's, it's, you're also so accurate in this way that when you're spending time on social media or you're looking at these stock photos and there's no diversity in this, it's really hard to one, maybe find body liberation to like understand that bodies don't all look like what we're seeing online or to just even just seeing yourself in pictures online and these stock photos is so important to um, the way that like we describe our bodies, we describe ourselves and we, we feel in our bodies too. It's so important. No, I love, I love what you're talking about and, and what you're doing with these stock photos is so, so cool. Yeah. And, and it's, it's so important to you. When I, when I started creating the stock photos, yeah. um, you know, they are, they are available on the site for people mm -hmm. to purchase, but they are also, um, and the thing is that every time one of those photos goes out into the world, that's one little, like <laughs> to be really radical, a, a one little bomb, one little stick of dynamite that is thrown out there against beauty standards. It's a way we can literally yes. help change the world piece by piece. But the, thing, the thing is that the people who appear in those photos, um, most of them are not models. They're not trained. They're, they're just people, um, mostly people here in Seattle who have, you know, who, who see my model calls and volunteer. Um, but it's really cool because it makes a difference for them individually because they are mostly people who were highly marginalized, who would not be able to afford to work with me as a client. Mm -hmm. And so that is a way that I can get them in front of the camera and give them a good experience of seeing their own bodies. But then they are also choosing to let their bodies be representative of bodies like theirs. Um, yeah. And so, so then they are seeing that go out into the world, which is really cool. Yeah. And then also, um, I had no idea that people were doing this until until people started telling me about it, but people will go to body liberation stock 
Mm -hmm. And they will use the stock photo galleries as exposure therapy. That is so amazing. What a good idea, too. Yeah, because, <laughs> good idea. Because it is it is one of the few places that people can go yeah. where there are lots of bodies. Mm-hmm. Um, and lots of bodies that are almost entirely larger. Yeah. And they know that those bodies are going to be depicted in a way that is not. Now, there are some depictions there uh, where, again, you know, just like every other photographer, I have made all these decisions. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes there are photos because these are stock photos that are depicting um, anger or shame or whatever, mm-hmm. because we, we need photos of all kinds of emotions and expression. Mm-hmm. But but they're they're not they're not shamey photos yes there's a difference for sure they're they're not photos that are meant to be you know shaming of those bodies they're not so so these Mm -hmm. are entirely um as you know and i'm a human i mess up too but as much as i can humanly manage these are entirely Mm -hmm. photos that are um they're authentic and they're honest about those bodies um, but they're not shamey. They're not objectifying. They're not yeah. now. There are some, uh, you know, occasionally there are photos there that are sexy, but they're not. Yeah. Like it's it, sexy in the way that those people chose to be. Mm-hmm. Um, they're not like gross, weird, objectifying. Mm-hmm. That um, and so, so it's a place where people can go and just flip through thousands of photos and be like, this is what bodies look like. Um, and I had, like I said, when I started, I had no idea that that would be a, a resource in that way for people, but what a freaking yeah. honor. Totally. That, that is so special. And, and to just have, cause I know you have so many photos in, in your archives and, and on your site and going back to what you said of it's it's not shameful photos, but you have photos of them depicting different emotions and doing different things. And so many of those pictures, like if you do see marginalized people or bodies in stock photos, it's stereotypical things. It's, it's very shameful photos. It's very diet culture-y. And so to see marginalized people and, and marginalized bodies in these pictures that are just living, they're just existing how they are and and just showing up as who they authentically are is such an amazing thing to see and it's also so crazy that we don't have like more of that in our society and it's frustrating but it's so special that this is the work that you're doing and and how you've kind of curated these stock photos to allow more people to come in and have these pictures done and I love how you said it's kind of like throwing a bomb at like diet culture and, and anti-fat bias and things and going like, okay, here, every time these stock photos pop up on a website or someone's page, it's a little bit of a, a middle finger to diet culture. Hey, we're reclaiming this. Yeah. Yeah. Reclaiming that, reclaiming that. And also um, I do have restrictions in the licensing for the photos, the mm. license you have to agree to, to purchase the photos mm-hmm. on how they can be used. Yeah. Um, a few years ago, I had Whole30, the diet people, oh god, um, try to purchase <laughs> photos from me. Oh god. Um, because they were doing some big body quote body positive unquote initiative, yeah. and uh. and they wanted photos for that campaign, that marketing campaign. Wow. Um, and the thing is that 
my vault, my sales volume isn't so high that I'm not noticing like the email addresses of people who are buying things. Like I see all the, you know, I see all the orders as they come through. Totally. Um, and I saw whole30.com and I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> Hard <Yeah>. stop. <laughs> yeah. um, um, and so I contact, I used the email address that had placed the order and I contacted them yeah. and I said, no, um, I'm refunding you. You cannot use these photos. This is in writing. This is official. That that is a that will be a violation of the license that you agree to. Um, I'm asking you to delete those photos right now, and you may not use them. <laughs> and then I changed oh, the password God. on their account. <laughs> that that is like just I, I love that. <laughs> that that is so amazing. Hard. I was oh. so indignant. And they they emailed me so right, mad. Back right away, the person at Whole30. And and they gave me they gave me this this very indignant, well, well, we are doing this, you know, this campaign push around uh. around, you know, body. I can't I can't remember how they phrased it now. It's been years, but you know, but around body positivity and 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 body acceptance. And and we we wanted to to represent all kinds of bodies, but now we can't do that. Oh no! <laughs> and, oh and made, it, made it sound like you know it was very much my fault that that they wouldn't be able to represent. I'm like, okay, <laughs> like all right. It's that's so similar to Noom as well being this platform of we're not a diet, we're a lifestyle or whatever the heck they say. Mm -hmm. And ugh, it's so it makes me so angry. It's. I, I love that you were just like, you're not having these photos. We're taking this back. Here's your refund. Bye-bye. <laughs> and the thing is that if they had used them anyway, there would only be so much I could do. Um, yeah. because, you know, I'm one human. I have a lawyer, but yeah. you know, I only have so much money. Like I can only police, I can only police the usage of things so far. Um, and sure. there's, there's, there is probably a photo out there in some usage that I would be really horrified by that I don't know about. Yeah. Um, because yeah. I'm not, I'm not Getty images. You know, I can't. <laughs> I can't ride hurt on the whole internet, but, and so, so when, when people model for these photos, I'm very clear about these are the way, the ways these could be used. Mm -hmm. Um, even if it is in, you know, oh, excuse me, even if it's in a, a way that's perfectly acceptable, you could be on a billboard, you could mm -hmm. be on the side of a bus and not everybody's game for that. Mm -hmm. um, and that's okay. Um, mm -hmm. you know, because even if it's a really cool usage of the image, um, you know, being on the side of a bus is, that's a lot. That is a lot. <laughs> and so, a lot. And so, uh, so, you know, I'm, I, I just, I want people to have full, you know, informed consent that yes. when you, when you, it's commercial modeling, mm -hmm. um, even if you've never modeled before, like, congrats, now you're a model. Um, because people are getting paid for this. Like, I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm compensating people. They can choose yeah. to be they can choose to be compensated in uh, a, a wage per hour or okay. in images in the finish. Okay. Um, because some people are more interested in having the photos and some people need the money and either one is totally fine. But, mm -hmm. but uh, you know, I, I also cannot absolutely guarantee that, uh, you know, that the photos are going to be used in ways we would all approve of. So, yeah. you know, so I just, I, I always really emphasize this informed consent because I'm just one human. I can't police the whole internet. No. Um, and sometimes, sometimes usage gets really complicated um, because like there is a project going on right now and I don't think it's done. So I'm not going to name it, but um, it's some folks within the health at every size community, some healthcare providers 
yeah. who are working on a website um, around a, um, like I said, I, I don't want to, I don't want to steal their thunder, so I'm kind of anonymizing it, but a hot topic in healthcare right now. Mm -hmm. um, that is uh, a, a thing that is often used to try to make fat people less fat. Mm -hmm. um, and I know, because I know these people personally, um, yeah. that they are coming at this from a health at every size standpoint, but they are making this resource for mainstream mm. um, diet culture healthcare. Um, and they're, they're presenting pros and cons. Like yeah. I said, I trust them. I know they're doing this. And they approached me. They were like, hey, here's the project. Are you okay with us buying photos? Mm. <laughs> Which is really cool. But, mm -hmm. um, but I did give my consent to, mm. to you know, the, these photos are going to be used. But it's a complicated topic. Um, and because they are making this site um, with sort of pros and cons, it's gonna be it's gonna be an uncomfortable site, mm. um, and that's okay yeah. because the because they are doing good work. Mm. And I'm mm. not sure how much sense this is making because I because I don't want to I don't want to specify. But yeah, the, the point is that everything is complicated, and stock photos are complicated. Yeah, <laughs> I I hear you. I hear you, and. <laughs> I know you do so much more outside of the stock photos, but that was just something where it's just so different. And, and your photography work is just so different from um, other people in, uh, and I don't even know what we want to call it, like in this, not even industry, but in um, combating anti-fat body, uh, anti-fat bias, um, body liberation, mm -hmm. um, health at every size, like uh, this kind of like diet culture rebellion in a sense. But then I, I also recognize that when we talk about like a diet culture rebellion that oftentimes falls on the shoulders of people in marginalized bodies or marginalized persons. And it's, we're looking to them to explain this narrative and push this narrative of why diet culture is so icky and bad. Um, and I, I, before like the podcast and stuff, I was listening to your interview on, uh, the fat joy podcast. Mm -hmm. And I, I love the conversation that you were having on, on that platform of this. And I might not word this correctly. So if you, if you remember like the conversation, you let me know and please clarify, um, but like having this conversation around feeling like there's this shift that's happening from being like extremely invested in diet culture. And then people feel they immediately have to move towards rebelling against it and not feeling like there's like gray area that you can live in. And especially for someone in a larger fat body where it, it being black or white in that situation isn't always accessible, right? Like mm -hmm. sometimes engaging in diet culture is a form of safety or protection from hateful comments or from things on social media and, and so much more. Um, mm. and, and I'm really interested to see whether it's in your business or yourself, how you see, how you see yourself in that space or how you like to, or want to show up in that space. Oh, this is, this is fantastic. Yeah. Um, lots of, lots of, um, complexity here because, yeah. You know, I, I talk, I actually just changed all of my social media bios, you know, the little blurb you yeah. um, to, re to really clarify that I do a lot of talking about systems, systems of power, um, because 
it's important we're not used to we as a culture mm -hmm. um like like all of us mm -hmm. <laughs> um, we are not used to talking about systems mm -hmm. we're not used to uh talking about patriarchy and and uh you know power dynamics yeah. um and that is how i tend to see things is in um uh i'm autistic i'm pattern seeking and so i'm always looking at patterns and systems um and that can be really disconcerting for people who i mean we all grew up in uh, in capitalism in in this very individualistic society mm -hmm. so it can be really weird and disconcerting when you run across people who are talking about systems because we have so much focus on individual responsibility yes um, and i actually I actually just did a webinar that i'm going to be i think doing every few months this year where i, I talk about very uh, cool the history, the history 600 years of history of where our body image comes from um, amazing and, yeah and in it i talk about whose responsibility is your body image mm -hmm. um and and without without replicating the whole thing here basically i want people to start looking at systems because yes. when we're born when we're babies we don't we don't have negative feelings about our bodies like no. what we just you know we're just, it's a party we're out in the world you know hopefully, yeah. hopefully we're being well cared for and we're discovering the world but we don't we don't think about our bodies that way no. you know we learn that from somewhere and mm -hmm. the people who are teaching us learn that from somewhere uh -huh. um, and ultimately the answer is racism yeah. um this is where i have to shout out the book fearing the black body by sabrina strings yes it's it's hard <laughs> it's academic and it is absolutely essential reading um because weight stigma and fat phobia come from racism uh -huh. um, i'm saying this as a very white lady who benefits from uh from my whiteness yeah. um even though i am highly marginalized in other ways but uh -huh. but the point is that we can rebel against the systems of power that mean that we feel about our bodies a certain way and we are treated in our bodies in a certain way uh -huh. but at the same time we have to survive in that system yes yeah that's that's also where like as a dietitian in like the non-diet space i've been coming more into this idea of harm reduction i, I i'm seeing understanding and learning from my clients and their lived experiences that we live in a messed up world. There is a lot of oppression. There are so many systems in place. I mean, if we're looking at perfectionism, diet culture, that is rooted in white supremacy. Mm -hmm. And and similarly, I I also experience privilege in in a white body. And so I there are a lot of complexities in that. And I agree that fearing the black body is an amazing read. And I recommend so many people to read that. But it's it's uh, my ADHD is now going all over the place. I'm like thinking of like so many thoughts um, yeah. and I don't even remember what I was going to say, but um, it's so important that when we're looking at that survival, even if like, we're just looking at that, it's how are we going to live in this society? And for many people, it's not fully diving into this diet culture rebellion. It's looking at the harm reduction of like, I still want to engage in some of these behaviors, but yeah, how can I reduce the harm of these things at maybe the very least so I can stay safe or I can look at the things that feel important to me or my health because that is so dynamic and subjective. Um, and that in its own is in its own system of oppression. Um, so 
yeah, it is so complex. And there are so many things that I think you and I could talk about with this. <laughs> got so yeah. Many rounds. <laughs> yeah, well, you were talking about this gray area and, and, yeah. and yeah, it's absolutely like in a, in, in a perfect, well, in a perfect world, we wouldn't be having this discussion because we wouldn't need to, but yeah. But in a perfect world, we would all have the ability and the space to shift both our personal thinking and our actions in any way we want. Yeah. And it is really, it's really disconcerting um, for people to look to me, uh, you know, I've been doing this work for nearly 10 years and for people to look to me and say, oh, I wish I could be as strong as you are. I wish, mm -hmm. I wish that, I wish that I could be as like defiant as you are. And the thing is that I have a lot of privileges that allow me to do this work. Mm -hmm. um, I, I run my own business full time. I do not have to go into an office at the moment where I'm dealing with office diet culture. I have, um, mm -hmm. uh, my husband is our primary income earner. Mm -hmm. I, I'm in, the, you know, I'm in a hetero, a stable hetero partnership where I am supported. I have health insurance through him. Yeah. Um, I am not solely paying my own bills. Um, <laughs> that said, I do, I do, you know, go on in other spaces about how I still deserve a living wage for my work yeah. um, but because, because sometimes it goes weird, it goes in weird directions about, well, you're supported, um, yeah. you know, you can, you can just do whatever you want. Um, you know, it's still a business, but yeah, but the point is that I have the privilege to be really shouty. I have the privilege to be a bomb thrower. Yeah. Um, I am not dependent. Um, I am not at a level of disability where I'm dependent on, uh, diety relatives, uh, for my safety and security yep. and, and a roof over my head. I am not, um, I don't, uh, you know, when you Google me, <laughs> I'm the only one with my name. If you Google me, it's me. <laughs> um, I, I don't have to, I used to have jobs with a security clearance. I don't yeah. have to worry about that anymore. You know, I don't, I, I, I have the liberty and the, the freedom to be able to be shouty on the internet under my real name. Yeah. Um, I, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna specify on this, but I have, I have measures for my physical safety that, that are, that are based in privilege, um, because I have been doxxed and threatened, um, mm. you know, and, and also in addition to all that, I grew up without, um, I was very isolated growing up. Um, and so I grew up without TV access or magazines or pop culture access. Mm. And that is its own, that is often a problem in my adult life, yeah. but also meant that I did not have nearly as many diet culture fish hooks to pull out of my brain and my skin as the average person does. Mm -hmm. And so all of these things give me the ability to live a lot less in the gray yeah. than yeah. most people are able to. Um, yeah. And so my job is to, is to push the Overton window. My job is to push the radical um, so that other people can have more safety yeah. in taking one action in their lives. Yeah. Um, and, you know, taking one action is still taking an action. Mm -hmm. um, I, talk a, I, I talk a lot about everyday activism and like everyone who is taking actions or refusing to take actions. If you can go into the office mm -hmm. tomorrow 
and you can, you know, and there's donuts and you cannot um, join in the, oh, I shouldn't eat that talk. Yeah. Action. Yeah. And, and, and then if you are able to say, I, I don't know. Um, I can't come up with scripts off the top of my head, but <laughs> you're fine. If you're able to, if you're able to get into the donut conversation and say yeah. something that is not shameful or not yeah. body shaming, that's another action. Yes. If you're able to, if you're able to let your kid eat a donut and not say anything, that's an action. If you're able to defend your kid against a relative who is trying to shame them for what they eat, that's an action. Mm. The point, the point is that. Congrats, mm -hmm. you're an activist. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, literally. So my job is to make it more safe for people to do that. But at the same time, we have to exist in the world. Yeah. Um, and I think lately I've been thinking a lot about the people who are being forced to have weight loss surgery to access other surgeries, particularly gender affirming surgeries. Uh -huh. That's horrible and it's crappy. Uh -huh. um, but at the same time, am I going to blame somebody who makes that decision? No. Yeah. Um, yeah. Years ago, um, I had someone that I had known in high school come to me. Um, she found me on Facebook and came to me. And it was clear that the things that I was saying about diet culture and bodies were weighing really heavily on her heart. But at the same time, um, she was chronically ill. Um, I haven't been in touch with her in a little while, and I hope she's doing well. But but she was chronically ill pretty severely. And her doctor had told her that if she didn't get weight loss surgery that year, she was going to die young and her kids were going to grow up without a parent. Oh, how scary to be told that. Ugh. Yeah. And it was clear that my voice was the only was the only body liberation voice in her life. And it was, again, it was clearly weighing really heavily on her heart, all of this. Sure. And then she came to me essentially wanting like my blessing for this, for this oh. surgery. Um, wow. Because unlike other people, she really needed it. And I said, the th you know, I'm never gonna like you, you have bodily autonomy. Yes. Adult. You know, <laughs> what mm. I didn't say is, we haven't talked since high school, sweetie. I, you know, like, I'm really glad that you're here and listening, but yeah. I'm not your boss. Um, yeah. but, but, you know, you should do what you feel is right. Mm -hmm. And also you should be fully informed mm -hmm. about, about the, the potential benefits and the risks of this surgery. And of course, all she was hearing was the, was the potential benefits. And she was not, she was getting the marketing pitch and she wasn't getting peer-reviewed studies she wasn't getting she wasn't getting um and of course we only have so much long-term data from these surgeries but she wasn't getting even what existed at the time uh -uh. and I'm like okay what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna point you to um I pointed her to Reagan Chastain's work because Reagan is Reagan is my hero and Reagan is yes. Reagan does a ton of work in um in weight stigma and healthcare uh -huh. um, and is out there reading all these studies and things and i'm not an academic i can't interpret these studies um so i sent her you know to the the people who are interpreting these studies for for you know lay people um and you know told her she had bodily autonomy and wished her well and i, I don't know what decision that she made yeah. Uh, but at this point, she was far enough along in the process that I, I suspect she went through with it. But 
but you know, we have to live in the world that we live in. Yep. Yep. And it's, I love that you started this conversation too, because especially with not just weight loss surgeries, but weight loss drugs that are becoming more and more popular as of recently. Um, it's again, everyone has their own bodily autonomy. So, and I am never anti-human. I might be anti-diet, but I'm not at the end of the day, everyone has their own, they, they know their body best. They know their lived experience. I do not. I can give them the information, just like you said, of like, here are the pros and the cons so that you can have informed consent because a lot of the time doctors aren't doing that. They're not giving the whole background on like what the side effects could be, what um, what might you expect six months, a year, two years from now following surgery or or the weight loss drugs, whether you're still taking it or, or discontinued it. Um, and I think like that conversation around like helping people to make that informed consent is so important. And at the end of the day, like they have their own choice. If, if they feel that that is the, the safest or the best choice for them, then I am all for them. And, and I'm going to continue to be in their corner and say, Hey, can we also reduce the harm from this? If we're noticing things come up, how can we continue like this work and and also prioritize your safety and, and your comfort in this, in this system. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah you, you had said something earlier um, that, that's coming back to connect with me now about yes. whose job is advocacy for marginalized uh-huh. Uh-huh. Um, and that is combining with, um, I got excited and now, now my, now my brain wants to lose it. Um, <laughs> there's this connect, oh, between the gray area and living in the world that we live in. Yeah. Um, yeah, these things are coming together for me because yeah, when, <laughs> you know, we also live in a culture that is evangelical in the sense, I mean, not only does evangelical Christianity, Christianity have a huge mm-hmm. influence but we live in an evangelical culture in that when we are in the honeymoon phase with something when we have discovered something new mm-hmm. there is an there's almost a cultural expectation that we will choose to then try to convert everybody that we know to whatever to whatever this is whether yeah. it's a religion or a diet or or a new hobby mm-hmm. <laughs> um <laughs> You know, I, I really love growing house plants. And so anytime anybody mentions plants, I'm like, oh, do you have a cutting of this yet? <laughs> yes. <laughs> and on the, on the, you know, on, we're, we're here on Google Meet and, and Abby has just moved, moved her head outside to, uh, to, to display her plants on the shelf behind her. But, but <laughs> there is this, it's this expectation that we will then spread the good word about and, and it, I think it's an expectation we put on ourselves, but it's because we live mm-hmm. in a culture where that is the norm. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, so, so many layers, so many layers. <laughs> oh, absolutely. But when we first start learning about body acceptance, uh, body liberation, um, body positivity, what, what, wherever your approach, you know, wherever your entry point is, um, people put this expectation on themselves to then immediately convert their family or convert all their friends like from diet culture ways and yeah that's really it's hard mm-hmm. um it's hard and it's not a reasonable thing to expect uh, particularly when you are a baby in this yourself 
Mm -hmm. Um, and it's okay to pick your battles. It's okay to pick your battles. And and the thing is that it hurts. It hurts Mm -hmm. to see people you love hurting themselves and hurting other people because they are perpetuating the systems that they Mm -hmm. grew up in. It Mm -hmm. sucks. It sucks. It does. And also you are one human with presumably unless i'm you know unless bill gates is listening to this or something you know with limited resources uh-huh. and, and limited limited time and and limited uh, particularly depending on how marginalized you are yeah limited influence um and this is where it comes back to not just picking your battles but but what you said earlier that was so good about whose responsibility is it who's uh, you know, doing advocacy work. Um, I had to make a decision a few years into my own work mm-hmm. that in general, I don't do one-on-one advocacy mm-hmm. um, because I'm not good at it, to be totally mm-hmm. honest. Mm-hmm. Um, in part, because I live in a highly marginalized body. Um, it is hurtful to me. It is damaging to me to spend a lot of time in spaces where people... Uh, where people are saying horrible things about fat bodies. Uh-huh. Like, and and the thing is that that is not true of everybody. There are lots of people who are in highly marginalized or very fat bodies who are who that does not affect. Mm-hmm. But I am a delicate hothouse orchid who who is damaged by that. Yeah. And, and I say delicate hothouse orchid because I am, and that's okay. Yeah, it is okay. <laughs> and I I love that you have identified that and you go this is me and I'm also going to protect myself and and what I need. And that is so important, especially when we're looking at these systems and looking at Mm -hmm. diet culture and yeah. So I I love that, that you shared that. Yeah. And so, uh, and again, there are lots of other people who do that work and I'm, and I'm grateful for them. Um, But, but now that means that my, my role, my -hmm. job that I have identified for myself is to either point people, you know, if I've got the energy, yeah, I can have those conversations, but mostly Mm -hmm. I point people to resources created by the Mm -hmm. people who do the one-on-one work Mm -hmm. or I don't choose that battle. Like I don't have to, I don't have to engage with every person on a, in a friend's Mm -hmm. comment thread that says something terrible. I don't do it. Um, And when we are in that evangelical phase of our body or of our own body image journeys it can like I see people really struggle with that like that feeling that need to suddenly try to try to save the world and you know if you've got the energy for it cool awesome go for it yeah but it's okay it's okay not to pick all the battles you can put some back you know that person who's wrong on social media they'll continue to be wrong and that's (laughs) Um, yeah. That said, you know, when you pick your battles, you are, you're also allowed to pick them wisely. Mm-hmm. Um, it is uh, some stranger on social media might be entertaining to get in a fight with and, you know, you do you, but, <laughs> but it may be more useful to save your energy for say, say you have a sibling who is teaching their kids diet culture stuff. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's where you choose to put your energy. Mm -hmm. Although, depending on your personal family and friend dynamics, that may be the worst place to put your energy. Yeah. Um, Yeah. 
I, I read an article years ago and I have been trying to find it ever since. And if I ever find it, I will be splashing it all over everything because <laughs> I owe these ideas to it and I cannot find it. But there, there's a, a secondary piece that I wrote on my, on my blog at uh, bodyliberationphotos.com yeah. about what does it take to change people's minds about diet culture? Mm. And there have to be three things in place. Mm. There has to be an existing relationship of some kind. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, strangers on social media are probably not going to be good candidates for this. But mm -hmm. I mean, you know, there's always outliers have at it, but mm -hmm. you need to have an existing relationship of some kind. That relationship needs to be respectful enough uh, on both sides that you can have a conversation. Um, and that person has to be open to change. And if those things are not in place, uh, you know, you're probably not going to be able to create change in that, in that particular spot. That said, there's always outliers. And also I learned, I learned almost everything by lurking in blog comment sections. You know, <laughs> back, back when blogs were more of a thing than social media. Yes. Um, you know, speaking so that people in the stands can read it, having debates with people so that people, the peanut gallery can see it. There is also value in that when you have the energy. Yeah, yeah. You may never change that that specific person's mind that you're debating with, but you never know who's reading that. Mm -hmm. That said, or you never know whose kid is is sitting there listening to yes. you to you you know talking with their parent. Um, you you can't know mm -hmm. um, what difference you're going to be making in the world. Um, mm -hmm. That said, you're allowed to pick your battles. <laughs> yes. I, that is something that I talk about with my clients so consistently, especially my adolescent clients, where if parents are just riddled with diet culture and, you know, the adolescent is trying to recover from an eating disorder, that is a very difficult dynamic to, you know, the, the kid feeling like it's all on their shoulders to teach their parents, you know, why the things that they're saying are hurtful and harmful. Um, and you know, more so with like my adult clients, we take this stance of, is this person reachable and teachable? If they're not, then do we want to waste our time, energy, and space trying to educate this person, trying to, um, help them understand, you know, a different point of view. And if you don't, that is okay. Like we can step back and save our time and energy for other things or people, um, but again, I, I realize that that's also me coming from my own privilege in this space and recognizing that sometimes we don't always have that ability to step back and go, yeah, I'm, I'm just going to save my time for something else. Mm -hmm. Um, so I, I so agree with what you're saying. I, 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 I'm going to start digging around the internet to see if I can find that article now. <laughs> Yeah, it just well, and 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 the the original, I I believe it, it was in a, some kind of um, American federal politics okay um, context. It was something about political, like creating political change within families. Um, was yeah. the original context, and I just uh, can't believe, you know. Yeah, I, I'm doing <laughs> like every every six months or so, I go dig around and see if I can find it. But uh, but yeah, and the thing is that our job, um, our job as humans, our job as individuals. And I'm using the word job very deliberately here. Our job is to survive. Mm -hmm. And 
honestly, I have lied to doctors in mm-hmm. my time. Mm-hmm. I have lied to healthcare providers because that was what it took to get me through the appointment and get me the actual care that I needed. Yes. <laughs> yes. I have lied about my uh, about my particular food intake. I have lied about my exercise levels. Mm-hmm. I have I have smiled and nodded. Mm-hmm. Um uh, my my family and I don't see eye to eye on on any of the work that I do. Mm. And so I smile and nod. I make peace because I'm putting my energy into other areas. And my job is to survive. Yeah. Um, any of my family members who are, you know, who, who ever listen to this, I love you. Uh, you know, but, but at the same time, I'm not going to fight with you when I've traveled 3000 miles to see you, you know, I'm not going to fight. Yeah. With you so, yeah. so my job is to survive and if that means if that means that um when the grocery store cashier wants to lecture me about buying frozen pizza because uh, yes, that happens yeah um to me personally yeah. um you know i'm gonna smell uncomfortably and laugh uncomfortably and you know ha, 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 ha. Mm-hmm. Um, you know i'm just gonna do what i can to make it through the the grocery store line and get out the door yep um and so that is why it is so important coming back to the job of advocacy um Mm -hmm. and this is true you know i'm speaking from this you know very white neurodivergent very fat lens but this applies no matter no matter what your areas of privilege and marginalization are because we all have some of each Mm -hmm. um of course, the more marginalized you are and the more types of marginalization you possess, um, the more the more you're affected by it, obviously. Um, yeah. But also the higher the urgency is for there for there to be action about it, about the marginalization um, and a, a societal action, not individual action to be less marginalized, to be very clear. But but at the same time, the less you're listened to. Um, and this is this is often a dynamic in health at every size spaces uh, because yes. uh, health at every size or haze is dominated by nice thin white ladies and uh, who are usually of a specific socioeconomic status and usually, you know, upper middle class folks because those are the people who are allowed through the gates mm-hmm. of, of healthcare education and and careers um and so it can like on one hand those people are more likely to be listened to because of the the privileges involved um but also it's not as urgent yeah. Um, a jerk yeah. doesn't feel as urgent because, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to use myself as the example here again, you know, I've said it a number of times, but I'm white. Um, and I benefit a lot from that, that privilege. Um, mm-hmm. and so racism may, may not feel as urgent to me because I'm not affected by it mm-hmm. or not, not as, not as much as an actual person of color would be because right. we're all affected by systems of oppression. But right. Point being, point being, um, it doesn't feel as urgent to me, but that means that it's even more important for me to be out there 
fighting, but also even more important for me to be listening to the and taking marching orders from the people who are affected. Um, yes. Because otherwise I risk running over top of those people trying to be, you know, trying to save them, uh, which is not, you know, marginalized people don't need to be saved. We need to be fought for. Um, but also, <laughs> again, everything is a gray area. Everything is complex. Yeah, yeah. But slash and also, <laughs> it is. It's also important for people who are even very privileged to pick their battles. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Because if you're out there, if you're out there picking fights with people on the internet, um, you know, and and again, you have autonomy. You do you, and maybe that's maybe that's the way that you advocate best is debating mm -hmm. with debating with strangers on, on <laughs> so that so that other people can see it. Yeah. or 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 you know pushing back in the comments of marginalized people's posts that can mm -hmm. be really important too mm -hmm. um so that marginalized people don't have to fight all their battles on their own yeah. um you know but but at the same time it doesn't matter how privileged you are you still have limited time and energy of your own and it's okay to use that judiciously mm -hmm. I, I wanted to go back to when you were talking about health at every size and how it, it is really dominated by thin white women. And on top of that, I, I think health at every size is, there, there are a lot of good things that come from it, but also there's a lot of almost this message of like healthism of like, it, you have to be healthy in order to be deserving of these things where, you know, if we look at health at every size on this, on like on its head, it's like, well, health again is so dynamic and there's a lot of access issues within healthcare that are going into racism and other systems of oppression where that's its all other thing and you don't need to be healthier have this certain look or way of being of health in order to be deserving or respected or you know it's health is something where it is subjective one person's version of health could be very different from another. Um, and while healthy, unhealthy can exist at all these different sizes, I also think, you know, talking about what you said earlier of, I have lied at the doctor's office to get the care that I needed. Like mm -hmm. that is so important. And I haven't heard many people share that truth. And it is so true for so many. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I think, yeah, health at every size, while it is a, an important framework, it also needs more. It also needs, you know, more discussion around it and the nuances that come with it, just like all the other things that we've been talking about today. And then some, like, it is just so layered and complex. And I feel like as we're talking about this more and more, we're finding like all these other avenues that we can kind of go down and we're like, oh God, like, where do we go? Yeah. <laughs> One, and yeah, yeah, that's another thing that we could easily <laughs> talk about all day. But, but yeah. quickly, quickly, yeah, I'm really impressed by the work that ASDA, uh, which for anyone yes. listening who's not familiar with with ASDA, they are the associate association for size diversity and health. Mm -hmm. They own the Health at Every Size trademark, and uh, right now, um, in a lovely change, they are um, they are being headed up by a crew of primarily fat black folks who are who are really doing a lot of very deep work around liberation and healthism and, and yes. you know, where health at every size can go from here, um, which is so needed. Um, 
And also, um, a lot of those conversations, as we as we look at liberation, <laughs> liberation can get very high minded and yeah. and academic. And there's nothing wrong with that. We need that <laughs> software. Um, but also, I'm out here in the trenches every day, hearing people being denied care in in really ridiculous ways because yes. of their because of their fatness and and you know on one hand you know we're not we're not nobody's liberated until we're all liberated mm -hmm. but on the other um my my super fat uh, my very fat best friend um had a lot of trouble getting physical therapy for her leg last year um which was quite injured and needed physical therapy yeah. um because people would rather lecture her about cardio oh, <laughs> and and the thing is that we live in the world we live in yeah. um which i think has really been our theme today but <laughs> but also fat people need care right now yes 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 and, you know we need health care right now we need we need appropriate equitable care right now and yeah uh it is really easy for people who are in less marginalized bodies to wander into <laughs> very highfalutin um ten dollar word academic stuff about how what we really need to do is is to solve racism first and then uh, care of itself. Uh, yes these things are deeply intertwined but at the same time um, you know, if I go to the doctor for, for an issue today, I need care today, not 200 years from now. So, yes. uh, so I can, I, as a person, I can get very impatient with, <laughs> with academic, uh, academic debates when that are usually taking place between thin folks mm. when fat people need healthcare right now, because we are literally dying. People are denying us care and we're dying. Yeah. Um, and it sounds very, you know, you know that meme with the red guy, the guy with the red string all over and the kind of wild-eyed look. Yeah, the, like, yeah, yeah. The, like, the bulletin board. Yes. Um, the conspiracy theory thing. Yes. Like, uh, you know, it's really easy for me to get really passionate and start sounding that way. But you know, I and sometimes sometimes it even makes the news. Um mm -hmm. Although mostly it doesn't because people don't care that we're dying. But, mm. but you know, if nothing else, um, you can Google for for people who have been uh, denied cancer testing because their doctors told them they were just fat and just needed to exercise. And then and then, oh, look, that's, this woman has and it's almost always a woman. Um, this woman has stage four cancer. Whoops, mm -hmm. she's dead now. Um, and and I just. I get my shoulders like up around my ears at this point because I, because again, I am out here in the, in the fat trenches with the fat yeah. community every single day. And I think, you know, if I have any call to action to, to wrap up our podcast with our episode, yeah. um, it's get in the trenches, start oh. hanging out. And, and, you know, when I say this, I'm not talking about taking up a bunch of space. Yeah. Um, there is someone that I actually really like personally, but who needs to stop it? <laughs> who needs to stop it? Um, if you hear this, sorry. Um, but, 
<laughs> like so now now i'm fired up but like who, who i love it who constantly who is not fat who constantly comes into fat spaces mm. and basically says you know i get treated really poorly because i'm very thin and yeah. i need you to stop that please <laughs> but mm-hmm. the, the, the goal is not to take up a bunch of space in fat communities if you are not fat or if you are average sized or if you are a very small fat person um yes. the goal but the goal is to when you in spaces where you are welcome mm-hmm. because there are affinity spaces for very fat people um facebook groups and uh, certain areas of my my body liberation blanket fort community that i run oh, are yeah. fat person only spaces but in spaces spaces where you're welcome um get in those spaces hang out yes you know, be part of the community the body liberation community yeah and, and this is this is absolutely my call for thin healthcare providers to mm. get in the community yeah. because like i feel at this point that i am so replete with horror stories and my goal yeah. is not to fill you up with horror stories too Mm-hmm. My goal is to give you the urgency of the fight. Yes. You need you yes. need urgency. You need and you need um uh don't assume you know don't assume what you can do for us, but you can shout alongside us. Uh, um, yeah. and, and this is true, this is true for any, you know, any privileged group and any marginalized group, you know. Yep. yep. It's fight along with us don't speak you know don't run over top of us but very much but but there are so many spaces where you can be a part of the community and not be like weirdly taking up space yes <laughs> so part of those get involved yes 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 um going back to what you were saying and then yeah we will we'll wrap it up <laughs> uh, going back to what you were saying of um like this one person that you have in mind of, you know, taking up that space and is in a thin body and and like shouting into this void. We can't have those discussions or those debates if people in fat bodies, marginalized bodies aren't also in the discussion too. Mm -hmm. Like we need to be including all of these people in order to get all of these points of view and understand this person's lived experience because otherwise it's just privilege talking about privilege and then, like you said, it's just running over that person and then it's missing the point, right? Mm-hmm. And I I love so much of what you had to say today. I think it is, I know that we started on like the stock photos and that is, I keep saying it, so unique and so amazing that you do that kind of work, but then you do so much else. And I think like, especially like this kind of conversation that I know you have so often, on on podcasts and in your um what is it called the body liberate weekly body liberation guide right Mm -hmm. um and um through your stock photos there's your blog there's so many different aspects that you're calling attention to these things and and i'm i'm really grateful that you showed up on the podcast today and and agreed to be my first guest it's so exciting um and i just want to also thank you for all of the work that you do because it is so necessary and so important and um i'm really excited for everyone that's that's going to listen to this episode and and hear your voice because you you just have so many amazing things to say and and i love the energy that you give and 
and all of the work that you've been doing. So thank you. Thank you so much. Oh, thank you. You know, I, I um, my first, I, <laughs> I'm going to tell the story quickly. I swear. <laughs> but, uh, my, my first ever podcast was yeah. Harrison's food psych. Yes. And, which was such an honor. And I was so terrified. I thought I was going to have a heart attack, like right there, you know, in the recording. Yeah. Um, we had to steep, we had to keep stopping during the recording so that I could breathe because I would like hyperventilate. <laughs> fair, fair. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I was so scared for the first two, but now it's uh, going uh, being invited as a podcast guest, which Oh, holy cow, I'm just a lady who shouts on the internet. Like, how cool. But I'm a fangirl. I'm fangirling. This <laughs> is wild to me. But, but it's also so cool because having these conversations pushes pushes my thinking forward in some way every single time. And, and so I'm so grateful for that. Um, and today is no exception. So thank you so much for having me. Thank you. Thank you so much. I would love to have you on again in the future uh, yeah. because this was just, this was so fun. <laughs> I love having these kind of conversations and, and um, I too feel like these conversations are always pushing me to learn more, do more, um, support other people. And I think that that is so important. And I hope that the people listening also feel that same way, um, or at least they, they hear something in your story and go, I feel heard or seen um, because that's so important. But that's really where the change happens right yeah, there. Yeah. yeah. Well, thank you so much, Lindley. Oh, thank you. Thank you.